Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. More now on Macy's plans to close 150 stores. The New York chain became national when it purchased St. Louis-based May department stores and converted all the local names owned by May. Now through Sunday at Famous Bar. Famous for you. Those were converted to one national brand, Macy's. That's in contrast to other retailers. Kroger, for example, goes by 20 different local store names depending on the city. KMOX's Michael Calhoun spoke with Neil Saunders, Managing Director of Global Data, about the future of Macy's. Well, I don't think Macy's is set up for success at the moment because, look, Macy's has various strategies that it dabbles with. The truth is when you go into a Macy's store, it isn't a great experience and it hasn't been a good experience in most stores for a very long time. That's a problem and it's an issue and it's an even bigger problem that management never address this or even recognize publicly at least that there's an issue. But we have had a change of CEO. Tony Spring has come from Bloomingdale's, obviously part of Macy's. He's had great success there. He's a merchant at heart. That's where his career began almost. So we have to give him a chance and we hope that he will start enacting a turnaround. We'll start correcting many of the longstanding problems at Macy's. So I think he goes into the position with goodwill and good wishes, but he does have to make some very serious changes and those things have to come through relatively quickly. So the jury is out at the moment. Do you see them uh, going all in on uh, strip malls and big box stores and eventually just getting out of the mall side? Well, they've made a start. They've got some smaller stores that they've opened, but they've been doing this for a very long time. And I think they only have about 11 at the moment, which is a very, very small number. They really need to accelerate that policy if they're serious about it and identify locations that could be great for Macy's and look at malls where they're just not performing and say, look, let's get out of these locations. Let's find new locations that serve our needs better. There's no shame in doing that, but they just need to speed up with that policy because the market is moving full tilt. Consumers are changing habits. It's constant churn in terms of how the shopper is behaving. Macy's can't afford to be too slow. It's got to move at the pace of the market. And traditionally, it just hasn't done on those smaller format stores. Coming from St. Louis, you know, Macy's uh, went national when they acquired Mako and uh, turned all of those regional uh, nameplates over to the the national Macy's brand. But I'm kind of curious. This is a fun question. You know, we're from St. Louis. So do you think that Macy's would be better off if they had left in St. Louis, your famous bar in Pittsburgh, your Kaufman's in L.A., your the Jones store, kind of like the Kroger approach? I think there's something to be said for that. I think Macy's lost a lot of goodwill when it converted those regional names. And and it really did cause locally in many of these locations a lot of consternation that these old names were disappearing. To be fair to Macy's, the difficulty it has is it's expensive to run lots of different nameplates, especially if you have very different strategies at each store. What they tried to do is provide a sort of uniform experience a uniform brand, 
you can make sense of it in strategic terms, but the truth is it just didn't go down very well. I think the further problem on top of that is, look, if Macy's had changed the names, it wouldn't have been liked. But if they'd have put in something in place that was great and they really took care of those stores and the communities that they traded in, I think people would have said, you know what, fair enough, this is still a pretty good shopping experience. I think the problem is they got rid of the nameplates. They didn't really have a great strategy for keeping these stores you know, top of the pecking order in terms of where people wanted to shop or keeping them really interesting places and experiences. And they've just become a little bit dilapidated and sad. And that makes people a bit annoyed and, you know, a bit frustrated that Macy's came in, got rid of the nameplates and actually put something worse in place. That's not really a strategy to build loyalty. We're talking brands, I mean, here, Famous Bar, of course, but uh, in Chicago, Marshall Fields is still something they're talking about. Well, Marshall Fields is definitely one of the ones that caused a lot of upset. There are still people that want that name back. And there was an article in uh, one of the Chicago papers just the other week really lamenting the the sort of death of Marshall Fields and slating Macy's for really not taking care of the store and just really deteriorating the experience over time. So it's a very raw nerve in Chicago. And of course, it's not just the the nameplate itself. That building is a national landmark. It's iconic. It's a real part of Chicago's history. So there's a lot of love and affection for it. And I think what Chicago residents would love to see is actually Macy's make a real go of that store and really reinvigorate it. Unfortunately, I don't really think that's on the cards, but that's what people would like. Yeah, it's that local connection here downtown St. Louis, the former May Company headquarters with the six-story famous bar on the ground floor is, is still empty. It has been for 10 years, and it's become an eyesore. Well, that that's exactly it. And it's not just that it's an eyesore and that it's empty. When you think about it, a lot of those department stores in the old days, they were big businesses in a town or a city and actually, they had a halo effect because they buy marketing services from local media that employ local people. They might have a degree of, of local suppliers that were needed to do various things in the store. They might buy locally from merchants. So they provided an ecosystem that really helped local communities. So the disappearance of, of the store isn't just a loss of a place to shop or the loss of a nameplate. It's actually economically detrimental to downtown areas and to the economy of, of regions. So it's a great shame that some of these stores disappeared and they just weren't made to work. Now, of course, it's not all Macy's fault. We've changed the way we shop. We all, as consumers, go to the out-of-town malls rather than go downtown. We'll go to the Target, you know, out-of-town rather than downtown shopping areas. So you can't blame Macy's for all of this deterioration. but. Macy's has a responsibility, I think, for the stores it still has in many downtown locations to try and make them work for the future because you don't really want those big department stores to close down because there's a loss of economic vitality. And as you said, with the vacancy, it's very difficult to fill such big spaces. It's like, what, what do you do with them? No one wants to buy them as a department store. So do you make them into housing? Do you make them into smaller shops? How does that work? It's a big problem. That's Michael Calhoun with Neil Saunders, Managing Director of Global Data. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.